Today on the Multiply Podcast, we've got special guest David Lindell talking to us about discipleship and assimilation. Check it out. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Multiply Podcast, or welcome to if it's your first time. My name is Jared. My name is David. And uh, we're, we're pumped to be back. We're pumped for today. David, how you doing, man? I'm doing really well. We're uh, coming out of summer, getting ready for fall, sending my girls back to school, and they're all uh, really excited about it. They, they are still at the age where they think school is cool, and um, <laughs> they don't hate it yet. That so. will fade. Yes, yes, in time. How about yourself? Uh, yeah, man. Excited as well. Busy fall. Excited about all that's coming and all that's happening. And um, and it's been fun. Doing this podcast has been great. Hey, thanks. Um, those of you who have given us some feedback, it's been cool to hear the positive feedback and the encouragement um, as this being a resource for you in whatever context you're leading and making disciples. And um, before we go on, if you would, if you listen to via iTunes, Go ahead and uh, subscribe or give us give us a, a five star that just helps spread the audience a little bit wider and and that's our hope is that it's a resource to uh, to more leaders. So um, today we get to dive in and have a great conversation with a pretty great leader. Yeah, we're really excited for our guest today. Uh, his name is David Lindell and he serves as a pastor uh, at a church in the Ozarks with a couple different locations in uh, Missouri and. Uh, We've gotten to hear him preach a couple times and be around his ministry uh, and specifically what they're doing there uh, in Missouri to reach people, to disciple people, and uh, just to build a strong church and from a distance really respect and honor the work there. And uh, it's a privilege to have him on. So David, thanks so much for joining us today on the Multiply Podcast. Absolutely. It's a privilege to hang out with you guys for a bit and talk about the church. David, tell us a little bit, uh, just before we get started in on our topic of the day, uh, give us, give our listeners a little sense of who you are, your family, just kind of the season of life and ministry you find yourself in. Yeah. Well, I've been on the team here for eight years, and uh, really, I mean, this is my home church. My dad is the lead pastor. Uh, the church has been going for 27 years, and uh, so I grew up in the church, and uh and so it's been a ton of fun to be a PK in this context. And so my wife and I have been married now for almost 12 years. And uh, we are uh, have most of that time lived in Springfield, but spent some time living in Dallas when I was attending seminary. But uh, in my time on the team, kind of been in a few different roles. But right now I serve. Week in and week out, I am one of our campus pastors at our West Campus. We have three campuses in, in the city of Springfield, and then we are launching a campus in September in the city of Joplin, so about an hour east, or excuse me, an hour west of Springfield, and so we're really excited about that, becoming one church in four locations, but uh, yeah, so I would oversee the campus pastors. I would oversee a variety of of areas in the life of the church, kind of the explicitly pastoral side of the ministry in a sense. So, you know, the life groups area, pastoral counseling, pastoral care, um, all of our, you know, assimilation ministry. So what we call next steps and uh, then our online presence in terms of our online campus and how we uh, would do ministry uh, online. So that's kind of a, a snapshot of what my world looks like at the church. And if our listeners don't know your church or kind of have a, a sense of your church, um, 
just just to give us some scope of what you guys are doing as far as how many people you're serving on a regular basis, uh, what does that look like right now at James River? Yeah, the weekly attendance at the church. So we have we have a weekend services and then midweek services. We you know on a weekly basis we run about sixteen thousand weekly. Um, on a Sunday morning we we run about eleven thousand five hundred twelve thousand people worshiping on Sundays. So. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, across the four campuses now. So we soft launched the Joplin campus yesterday. So I was preaching wow. at that campus. And so it was the first time that, you know, hundreds of people had gathered. It's a it's an entirely portable setup. So we haven't been portable for a long time. Actually, the church um, started portable. It started in a bookstore and they'd roll out the shelves and then we'd, you know, roll them back in so they could do business during the week and then we moved from there to uh to a business kind of office park and then we moved to a skating rink so it was load in load out um and now uh, a couple decades later a little more than that we're uh we're doing it again in joplin so this time at a kind of a a youth center in joplin a great facility we're pumped up about it so uh excited to see what god does through that that's amazing um and this is a uh, a, in some ways, a big step for you guys, right? Because this is the other churches are in similar communities or, or at least somewhat close to each other. This, if I heard you right, this is an hour, hour and a half west. So this is kind of a, a new endeavor in some ways. Yeah, it's it's really exciting. You know, you think about um, what God is doing and how God is moving in the church. And for us, you know, the truth of the matter is, it's not about some grand big you know map out the vision sort of thing it's just you know what opportunities is god putting in front of us and how can we seize the moment uh to say god we want to be faithful stewards of the opportunity you're putting in front of us and so um you know we have you know obviously with three campuses in springfield you know launching a campus not that we're experts we've learned a lot we continue to learn a lot from uh different churches around the country and and in other parts of the world but you know just yes you're you're absolutely right this is new territory for us as a church in terms of being an hour away um about an hour and 15 minutes away um but the you know it's been awesome you just watching god open the doors and and kind of not knowing and and kind of exploring and and knowing there were people driving lots of people you know driving either from joplin itself or from the surrounding area or in between and uh praying you know unbeknownst to us in a lot of cases praying for a campus to be established in that city and so uh watching god move through their prayers and then move in the conversations in the leadership to really guide and direct the next step and so we are we are so thrilled by what we get to be a part of and you know all of it our number one value as a church is to reach the lost and so all of it in an effort to see more people come to jesus and um, that's what we're about that's what the people are about and uh really to see that enthusiasm now in another city at another campus is is thrilling so it's awesome well thanks for giving us all that uh contextual information i think that helps set us up well for the conversation that we want to have today and really this episode we want to talk about assimilation and that's something that it sounds like you personally take responsibility for um, across the campuses um, assimilation and specifically how it's connected to the larger picture of discipleship 
and helping people to trust more deeply in Jesus in every area of their lives. Um, so uh, just could you give us a sense of how you guys at James River think about assimilation, talk about assimilation as far as what it is, the significance uh, of it, why it matters so much? Yeah, for us, you know, we don't we, we don't want people to be, you know, we want them to be casually affiliated to the church. We just don't want them to stay there. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we don't want people to hang out on the perimeter of church life. We want them to be fully invested in what God is doing in the life of the church because God's desire is for people to be part of his family and to play a part in that family. And every single person who comes to faith in Christ God's working in them to energize the gifts he's given them so that the name of Jesus can be proclaimed even louder and stronger and by more people more boldly. And, uh, and then the church can function as the church in, in the way that God wants it to. And so in, in all of those ways, we're, you know, we are wanting to help people fully invest themselves for, for what God wants to do in their life, in the life of the church. And so for us, assimilation is, yes, it's systems. Yes, there's there's a back-end, there are back-end processes and, you know, mapping things out. But it's, it's really about connecting people to the life of the church and ensuring that nobody gets lost or falls between the, you know, between the cracks or um, somehow comes into the church and for whatever reason feels like they weren't able to connect. And so, you know, whether it's a couple weeks later, months later, whatever, they end up, you know, slowly drifting away from that initial connection because we never were able to engage them. And, and by God's grace, I, I, I'm thankful that week in and week out, people are engaged and, and through that engagement, they're connected to various parts of the life of the church where they can begin to thrive and they can begin to grow. And so, Uh, That is always we are tinkering with that and saying, how can we do that better? So it's not like a, hey, we said it and forget it sort of thing. This is a constant conversation. How do we get better? How do we what can change about our systems so that we serve people better, so that we engage people better, so that we care for people better? Because if we can't do that well, then anything else we do will not be what it should be because it's about people. And so we want to see people reached. We want to see people fully invested and engaged in the life of the church. Yeah. So David, it sounds like you're saying the potential of not having a good assimilation process is people can get lost or stay on the outskirts um, of the church life. What are, um, I'd love to hear from you. Obviously, James River is is unique in its size, and you guys face some challenges that are probably unique. But what are some maybe some principles that you would say yeah. could apply across the board, no matter what your ministry or church size are, when it comes to assimilation? Like these are some things that are really important. Yeah. Uh, you know, we say it a lot, and I think. You know, it's kind of a maybe a buzz phrase, but I don't think it's fluff. And that is that love is in the details. And uh, for us, I mean, if if you're around James River for any length of time, certainly around the culture of the staff, love is in the details. And so um, we we take details very seriously. And that's something that you can do regardless of size. Like 
Um, obviously, uh, with size may come a few complicating factors and different, you know, different ways of handling some of those details. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, the details are really important, not because we're, hey, we're, you know, we're about the details. You know, it's because in those details, we are caring for people well or not caring for people well. And so I think just in the staff culture to teach people to handle with care the information that we're entrusted with so like when people are filling out you know you're asking people to fill out a card either online so we give people the option in a service um actually we try to engage them multiple times before they get to the service setting so if you drive onto one of our campuses on a sunday morning one of the first things you're going to see is a sign that directs you to if you've never been there before first time visitor parking and so uh, we've played with different language, but really just as clearly as we can say it, we've got a parking place for you. And in fact, before you get on the property, you are able to schedule a visit and say, I want to pre-check in my kids. Uh, here's what I'm looking for in a church. And all of that is in an effort to g help us, you know, engage them and connect them better. It's like uh, we are who we are. So, you know, if they say I'm looking for a church that has, you know, a bowling alley in the basement and a helicopter pad or, you know, uh, I need a water slide for my kids. We can't accommodate that. That's not who we are. We just, you know, um, we're, you know, that may happen somewhere. You know, there may be a church that, you know, sings a certain type of music. We're not tailoring to what they say, but it does help us engage. Hey, where is this person at? You know, what are and usually they're not asking for things that are related to the physical makeup of the church or even their preferences, they're saying, hey, here's what I'm going through. Here's what I'm facing. And now we're equipped from the very outset of the interaction to help uh, address what's going on in their world. And so if they did that and they come to on the property, they know there's a parking place for them. And before they get in the building, there is a tent outside at the entrance that they're coming in a blue tent um that they come to it's called the connect center tent and somebody there knows their name they know they're bringing their kids and they're ready to get their kids checked in help them get the kids checked in help them get a cup of coffee and help them find the auditorium and answer any questions they have along the way um and so all of you know going back to what i said about detail being detail oriented it's not just that process because some churches might say you know hey just our our website capability we can't do a schedule a visit but you can host them well on site you can care for them well and when they give you information when people entrust you know their name their address their email address their phone number whatever they give you we want to steward that information well for their sake we don't want to you know we want to make sure that we care for that because that's 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 valuable to them. It took, it was a step of trust for them to even release that to you. And so to say, Hey, we're going to steward this. Well, we're going to, and we're going to, we're going to contact you in a way that is, is considerate of you. We're going to, we want to do it in a way that helps you engage in the life of the church, not overwhelm you. And so, you know, whether we get that, you know, whether they pre-register or then they come to a connect center and they fill up a card out there or when they check in their kids or in the auditorium, we'll say, hey, if you didn't get a fill out a connect card, make sure you fill one out, you know, quick announcement or you can fill one out online. You know, here's, you know, text this number and we'll send you a digital version. However, that happens. We just want to steward the information well that they entrust to us so that we can serve them well 
and we can serve and love one another well. And uh, they know we take seriously uh, the opportunity to engage them. It's not we don't take it lightly. It's a big deal that they would show up and say, we want to be part of what's happening here. or We want to check out what's happening here. So I think, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm dropping a lot of things, but I think the principle in play is, you know, love is in the details. Love is how you handle the details. And I think teaching the team and reinforcing on the team, this is really important because all of these details are connected to particular people. And so um, particular people, stories, families, situations, crises, and when, especially when a crisis hits, we want to be positioned to act and respond as quickly and as effectively and as caringly as possible. And so all of that is, is really important. I think, you know, just in terms of how you do what you do, I think a lot of churches, you know, it's awesome. You know, there's a lot of diversity in terms of how churches reach out to people who are connecting or checking out the church. And I think that's, that's contingent on context and different cultures, different parts of the country. And so you have to be sensitive to that. But I think once you've decided what you're going to do, you know, once you've decided here's the method, you know, and I think even before you've decided what you're going to do, I think you have to say, what is it that we want people to walk away with? Like what, what, you know, what is it that we want them to take away from this experience? When you ask those questions now, if that's the vision, you know, the vision, one of the things that uh, Chris Hodges from Church of the Highlands says again and again, and I think this is so spot on. He says, you need a system to implement the vision. So there are a lot of, we can all talk about how much we love people, which is awesome. And that's great. But if the vision is to love people, serve people well, connect them to the church, now you're going to need a system to implement the vision. And so what is it that you're going to do as a team to make sure that you can consistently give people that experience so that when somebody shows up at your church, they know because their friend told them, hey, when you come, this is what it's going to be like, and not their friend is crossing their fingers and praying a prayer under their breath and going, I hope it's good this week. I hope it's good this week. I hope it's good this week. <laughs> um, that's, you know, and I've been, I've been in those church settings mm -hmm. where, you know, I, I would, I invited a guest uh, and I brought them to church and I was like, I was biting my fingernails uh, metaphorically going, man, I hope it's, I hope it's a good day at church, you know, and hey, obviously no one bats a thousand. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to have days where we go, well, that could have gone better. But I'm talking about all things being equal, the trajectory of what's happening, the trajectory of how you're engaging people and caring people. Are you consistently operating with an excellence that says that messages to people? We care about you and we were ready. We were we don't practice on people. You know, we don't we don't we don't practice on you. We practice before you got here. We prepared so that when you showed up, we were ready. And that's something that is crucial to our team. Like we just say, like, we're not going to we, we practice before the game. The game day is not practice time like we. And so, you know, we're big like we try to uh, as much as possible have our teams, everything. And, and that's true of assimilation. So I think all of us think maybe, well, the worship team practices or you know, you might run, you know, you're going to technically do a run through, but practicing things like shaking hands, looking people in the eye, you know, like how we talk to people, making sure that we're reinforcing language that we want to use. That's true of who we are, that reflects our heart. And, uh, 
and making sure that we're not just getting that at a staff level, but that we're we're helping people who are on what we call the dream team. Every dream teamer, every volunteer at James River Church get it. So the light goes on and they go, I understand why this is a big deal. I understand how this helps us care for people. And that's an un- that's constant. We all, you know, continually are doing that. So I realize I'm talking a lot and I don't, you know, but so if you, if you say, Hey, you know, is that, you know, you have more to say, the answer is yes. But those are some really, those are some really big things for us uh, that help us that really position us to care for people. Well, no, that's, that's so helpful. And, um, just some of the things that I heard just to create a little summary moment for those who are listening is, and, uh, certainly correct me if I'm misrepresenting you. Um, you guys obviously work really hard to create a culture of hospitality and obviously that's a discipleship outcome. Um, living lives that are hospitable towards people is not just a means to an end, but it actually is an indicator that you're growing in faith, um, and growing in Christ. Um, there seems to be this sense at James River where when someone walks on or drives onto your campus, you want them to experience it, that, that you guys have been expecting them, uh, that you're yes. ready for them and you can't wait to help them. Um, another thing I heard was just a tremendous commitment to clarity as it relates to yeah. where do I go, what do I do, just basic levels of signage, even in smaller churches oh, they could absolutely. benefit um, from the things that we take for granted uh, because we know the building and we understand where everybody's going and uh, the sort of Andy Stanley calls the curse of familiarity. Um, yeah. You know, so clarity. Um, you talked about being careful and respectful with their information. Um, multiple access points. So it's not just one way to get your info to us, uh, but there's multiple ways based on maybe uh, certain generations might want to do it online. Other ones might want to do it uh, using a connect card. Uh, yeah. con- consistent experience from week to week so that your guests or so that your regulars are more comfortable bringing their friends into this environment knowing that essentially I know what they're going to get and there's not these wild swings and levels of competency um, and even just values being represented on the yeah. stage and then yeah. just having some clear desired outcomes as it relates to uh, everything that you're doing so uh, those are just you know wonderful principles that we can all use really as metrics. Uh, you know, I pastor a much smaller church than what we're talking about with James River, but I can use all of those eight or nine things and sort of apply that as a, a source of uh, a type of metric against what we're doing. So I appreciate that. That's fantastic. Um, one, just maybe a couple more questions, but uh, I want to talk a little bit here as we, we've talked about assimilation, getting information, getting them connected. Talk a little bit at James River as far as, or even in your own personal philosophy of how this works, um, moving people from assimilation or showing up or being connected, knowing that that's part of discipleship, but recognizing that in some ways that's that's moving them towards a, um, a discipling sort of environment. So when you think of disciple-making environments at James River and getting people moving forward in their faith, uh, what, is that, what does that look like for you guys? Yeah. Well, for us, I mean, it's looked like it's looked different, um, in certain seasons. Um, and I would say, you know, for a while, uh, adult Sunday school was all the rage and it was the, it was, you know, a preferred and, and I, and I realize that some churches are still very effectively, um, utilizing that, that system of discipleship, but it's a, it's, it's a method. It's a system to implement the vision of seeing people become more like Jesus. For us, we recognized, um, many years ago that in our context and for the church that was 
it was no longer as effective as it once was. And the reality was you know, that small groups, which many churches have adopted a, a some some kind of small group model was going to be the way that we wanted to go. And we, you know, we established that, you know, that life groups were going to be the primary mechanism for discipleship in the life of the church, getting people to gather around in circles around the around God's word. And so we have sermon based life groups. So it's their sermon based discussion where you write one discussion guide. We don't we don't do a menu of options because we recognize that most people are doing well just to integrate and apply what they heard on Sunday morning. So, um, you know, most of us, you know, to digest that and to integrate that in our thinking and to meditate on that and to discuss that rather than introducing something new. And so it also it also fuels unity in the life of the church. And so and unity is so central to uh, seeing God's blessing, God's hand on the church, that anything we can do, you know, Paul says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And that starts with philosophically how the church is wired, how church life operates, that we can do things that inadvertently disrupt the unity and we can also do things philosophically that build the unity or that guard the unity. And so, um, you know, unity is is it's not just I think sometimes unity gets brought up when only when there's disunity, as opposed to saying, let's be proactive on this. What would unify? What would bring strength? And uh, through the discipleship process, uh, we would say, you know, unity when unity is present, that making disciples be a whole lot easier. And uh, when everybody's rallied around that common goal of seeing the people become fully devoted followers of Christ. And so we just actually wrapped up our life group leaders conference. And so that once a year, we're going to get all the life group leaders in the same room and we're going to talk shop in terms of biblically. Where do we get our vision? What, what, where, where from the pages of scripture does the vision for life groups flow? And what are, what are some of the keys to a life group that flourishes and taking people on a journey? So, you know, uh, one of the sessions was just talking, you know, it started out with, uh, our lead pastor, my dad, John Lindell talking about, okay, here are the things that I've learned about people. And here are some of the things in group dynamics that you need to be thinking about as a leader. And here's some of the ways that you can be heads up and caring for people. So he started there. And then we talked about, you know, my brother, who's also on the preaching team, jumped up and said, hey, here's how um, here's how you you as a life group say we're going to build the church. We're going to be builders of the church. And then we we I closed out the conference with a session on, you know, leading life groups that grow all of that in an effort to position those leaders to be thinking about how they uh encourage and lead their life group participants toward greater involvement in the church and also how they take them on a journey in their walk with christ and one of the things that was said was you need to be identifying what is the next step for the people in your life group so and this doesn't take, here's what we're going to promise you. Like, we're going to help you know what those next steps are. So you don't need a, you know, you don't need to go to seminary to figure out what somebody's next step is. Here's the first next step. If they haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, that's their next step. So there may be people in your group and they're just checking things out. You need to help. You need to pray that God would give you the opportunity to lead them to Christ. After that, have they been baptized? That's the first, that's the next step. If they if, if they haven't made that decision to follow Jesus, it is 
it is also their first step in following Jesus. And so, and it's critical to the discipleship process. So, um, you know, we baptize every Sunday after every service, and then we do baptism events on top of that and just see lots of people baptized, which is awesome. And it's critical to their formation as a Christian. And then, you know, the next step after that would be grow track. So if you've been baptized, and I would say, even if you haven't been baptized, I would, I would kind of put those two together. Obviously, I have, we have a, a great deal more passion about seeing them get baptized. But in Grow Track, step one, we're going to talk about baptism. So they work in unison together. But once somebody's been baptized, they need to now engage in church life for the sake of their own spiritual growth, not because the church needs more people to go through Grow Track. Uh, the church is doing really I always I like we like to say, you know, the church is doing well. It's just that it would do better. It would be even better if you were part of it. You know, mm-hmm. like so is the church struggling? Do we like are we like hard up for, you know, dream teamers and volunteers? Actually all the ministries are functioning really effectively, but not a, they were aren't as great as they would be if you were a part. And so um to take people on that journey of so step one, I, and I don't know how familiar, you know, you know, certain people are with the steps of the grow track and they vary from church to church. But, you know, step one for us is believe. Uh, step two is belong. Step three is become. Uh, become really about, okay, what is your purpose? How has God wired you? How do you discover that? And then step four is build. Um, and that's, you know, that's we, now how are you positioned to be a builder of the church with the gifts that God has given you? And so now you're positioning. Then the next step, if they've gone through the grow track, is get them on a dream team. Where where can you jump in and use your gifts to serve this, to serve in the body of Christ, and to love people into the kingdom of God? And uh, and so and you know then so making sure all the life group leaders understood. Okay, this isn't you know this isn't some this is something I can't get a hold of or wrap my mind around. These are real clear you know, simply articulated steps that people, if you will lead your people this way, they will grow. Get them in the prayer meeting on Wednesday night. So, uh, you know, those are... David, it sounds like like one of the things I'm hearing that I think is amazing is that you guys have coupled assimilation and a discipleship process to work not only with each other, but to prop each other up. So they're supporting each other in accomplishing the vision. And I think that's amazing. You're not abandoning one for the other, but you're saying both are necessary and important and we're going to make oh, sure that both support the other. Absolutely. And I think, I think sometimes what can happen is people think discipleship is spiritual and assimilation isn't. Um, and I think that that's really unfortunate because you cannot disciple people effectively if you do not assimilate them effectively. Yeah, and maybe I would stop and say, you can disciple very few people effectively if you don't assimilate well. Um, mm-hmm. So the bigger the church gets, though, you're you have to get more and more intentional about how you assimilate so that you put people, you help people get into settings where they are being discipled. And I would also add to all of this that. The the primary place where people are going to, you know, because life groups aren't a teaching forum, we're we're really just diving into what we've already heard on Sunday mornings. And Sunday mornings for us are the primary place where people get the content for discipleship. What they're hearing in the Sunday morning message really becomes 
the pathway or the guidebook, you know, as far as where they're going on that discipleship journey. And the great thing about that is we're all going the same direction. So, yeah, I don't have, you know, we don't have clusters of people saying, well, this is the discipleship track I'm on or this is the one I'm on. The whole church is moving in unison and there's such momentum with that. And so that's really important for us. That's great, man. That sounds uh, that sounds exciting to hear about, and um, as someone who gets to kind of witness it from afar via social media, it's it's great what you guys are doing. Thank you so much for your insights on uh, assimilation and discipleship, and um, we we want to get your insights on one other thing that is near and dear to our hearts, and that's food. And uh, <laughs> so and good. so we do a little portion called David's Eats, and we want to hear from you. What's the best thing you've eaten recently? You know. Um... Normally, I think I would say, you know, I would just take you back to my last uh, eight ounce filet. Um, but, um, you know, I we had some family in town and my father-in-law was known for uh, his his barbecue chicken. And so I've, I've carried the flame on that one. <laughs> and uh, so I made, you know, a bunch of barbecue chicken uh, for the family. And I will say I was the chef. But it was the best thing I've eaten in a while. So, uh, you know, barbecued chicken done right. That's good. That's good. That's good stuff. So uh, that's where I'm at on that one. That's awesome. Our mouths are watering thinking about barbecue <laughs> chicken right now. Um, David, thanks again for spending this time with us. Um, we're going to have you back. And uh, it's actually going to really segue nice, uh, nicely into our next episode. Because right at the end, you talked about how your small groups are based on the sermon that they heard on Sunday morning. And that's really what we want to spend the next episode talking about is the role of preaching as it relates to discipling people and helping them grow in their journey with Jesus. So thanks again for spending this time with us and uh, everyone for listening in. Um, This is the Multiply Podcast.